All right, welcome back to the pulpit. We're excited to be back together. Um, this week is going to be a little different format and layout of this episode because we're implementing something new that we started here on the pulpit where we allow you to send us questions or topics that you want to hear us discuss and answer a little bit um, with scripture the best that we can. And so we're going to begin this episode with that segment. We had someone um, anonymously send in a question that they wanted us to address. And so that's what we're going to tackle first. And if you want to do this, if you want to send us questions or if you're, there's a topic that you want us to discuss with Scripture a little bit more in depth so that you can understand it or just get a little bit of perspective, our perspective on these things, the Scripture's perspective, then all you have to do is text the word PULPIT to the number 94,000. PULPIT to the number 94,000. And you remain anonymous. It does not tell us who sends the questions in. And then what we'll do is we'll just, each week as we build an episode, we'll just continue to add a question at the beginning of each episode. And so this week, um, we had a question sent in. Um, I, I guess this was sent in after your message on divorce that you preached two weeks ago. And the question is this, where can I find scripture to help me find peace in the midst of a divorce that I'm going through that I did not want? I'm struggling with my faith. Well, I want to begin by saying to this person that our hearts go out to you and uh, what you're dealing with. It's nothing to take lightly. The emotions that you're feeling, the thoughts that you're having, uh, it seems like when we find ourselves in these situations that we get these voices that are just making inroads into our mind, altering how we feel. Uh, and so nothing about this situation uh, is to be taken lightly, and our hearts go out to you. I don't have all the answers for uh, life's questions, especially a question like this. Why is this happening when I didn't want it? The best thing I can do is give you scripture and let the word of God just kind of wash over you and let it kind of make sense of what you're feeling. I think all of us have wrestled with our faith from time to time. I think all of us have questions that we would like answered. That seems like we draw you know, no answer. We get no answer. Heaven is kind of silent on certain things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, I would direct this person or anybody else to this text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Without even reading the rest of the passage, that alone, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. For you to take things and try to make sense of them based on your own logic and reasoning is not going to be a good good thing. Lean not unto your own understanding. Quit trying to make sense of this on your own. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge God in this. Somehow in this mess, acknowledge God. Whether it's acknowledging your desperation for Him 
whether it's acknowledging something in your life that the Spirit of God is revealing to you that you need to get on your knees and maybe repent of or, or commit to God, but acknowledge Him, praise Him, thank Him, even when it doesn't make sense. You're acknowledging God. And lastly, He will make your straight make he will make straight your paths he's going to lead you through this uh, he's going to make a path through this what that path looks like i don't think anybody knows except god that's where trust comes in that's where not leaning into your own understanding comes in that's why acknowledging him is important because he's going to make straight your path right now it seems kind of blurred kind of crooked uh, you don't know what direction life is fixing to, you know, go in. It's very important to take this, uh, take this uh, to heart. Trust in Him. Don't lean. Acknowledge Him and let Him lead you. And so that's about the best answer I could give that would make somebody kind of understand, okay, I've got to give God this. I've got to turn it over to Him, take my hands off of it. Also, just to tail end that, um, Going through something that difficult, something like this, it's real easy to become isolated and to want to sort of remove yourself from society, remove yourself from people, get alone, grieve alone, suffer alone. And I would just want to encourage this person, whoever this is or whoever's going through something similar to this, get around people who care about you, who love you, who will pray with you, carry this burden with you. So get plugged into the church get plugged into a local church wherever you're at. Um, talk to your pastor, talk to Christian friends who you trust with your heart, who won't um, gossip about you or with you, but who, who really want to see you grow in the midst of this and, and come to healing. And um, so that would be my advice, such good truth. And so again, this was such a little cool subject uh, ta- uh, segment that we're going to start at the beginning of every episode from now on here at the pulpit. Again, if you want to send in a topic or a question or something that you want scripture on or perspective on, then please do so. You remain totally anonymous. We don't know who sends these in, um, but all you have to do is text PULPIT to 94000. Again, that's PULPIT to 94000, and then you will just send us your text. We're going to Take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with The Pulpit. All right, we're back on The Pulpit, and we're excited to be back this week. Dad started a new series here at our church. It's going to be a three-week study called The Church Pattern, and... Sunday was just phenomenal. You actually talked about Sunday on the the patternless church. And in order for us to get to the pattern, the church pattern, you have to address the patternless church. And such good truth. The Lord really spoke to the heart of our church on Sunday, spoke to the individuals who were here. Um, if you've listened to the message on our podcast, I pray that it's blessed you and that it spoke to you as well. But we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth. Um, something that we need to sort of, I guess, address uh, right off the bat is why are we doing this study? Why are you? Why do you feel like the Lord placed it on your heart 
to sort of transition out of the Sermon on the Mount for a couple of weeks and into this topical study on the church. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Give us a little bit of insight what we can to what we can expect in the coming weeks in the church pattern. I started off Sunday with two questions that I think are important for anyone who attends a church to ask themselves. And the first one is, why the church I attend? And the second one is kind of a follow-up. How would I affirm my answer to question number one? The correct answer to question number two is the Bible. What does the Bible say church is? And that's where I need to go. But there is this regression with the church right now, and it screams reform. It screams we need change. We need to go back to the way God or the way Christ intended the church to be, what he said it was to be. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That's the church we need, Christ's church. And so is reform possible? It is. If there's repentance and there's this rehabilitating of vital components that make up that pattern church that's given to us in the Word of God, the apostles left us a pattern, a very authoritative pattern to what the church is to be. What are the elements of that church? What are these components that are necessary? If you want a church God blesses, it has to have these. And so my point in feeling God leading me to go this way was to help our church understand our why and why people go to Northside and to kind of understand what a church is that God blesses. And so uh, it's obvious that during this downgrade that we find ourselves in, there is hope here that Christ is building his church, and I think he is. I think that that biblical church is kind of coming up through the ashes, coming up through the 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 uh, the swamp that it's kind of been drowning in of all of these fads and these trends that we see going on right now, uh, and uh, and that's the church we want. That's the church we want to be. That's the church God's going to use. And so, my 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 intent, my aim, uh, and for the next two studies, as after we've seen the pattern of this church, is to understand what the pattern church looks like, uh, what the, what that what that kind of uh, takes form. What does that what does that mean? A patterned church. I think a lot of people have joined the church. They go to church, but they can't answer that why. Why do I Why do I go here? And and, and affirm that with a biblical answer. Oh yeah, this is why. Boom boom boom. They they possess these characteristics that were laid out pretty clearly by the the apostles in that first century church. That's the pattern. Paul said to Timothy. You know, you've known my purpose, my the pattern of my ministry. That, and he said, continue in these things in Second Timothy chapter three. And so that's what we need. That's what that's what our intentions are. Great. Well, like I said, Sunday was amazing. It was a good time. We launched out of this study talking again, like about the patternless church. And your your text that you preached out of was Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through nine. And it's in that passage where we find that somewhat famous, well-known lump of verses where Paul is telling Timothy, hey, in these last days, 
the people who are within that church community who are labeling themselves as believers and Christians, they're going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. They're proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, which I love how he addressed that. He actually is addressing children in a sense with the last days. You're going to see this this turning in not only adults, but also in young generations, ungrateful and holy, without self-control, not loving good, you know, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so you see this, this text and it's a very, very confronting text. It's, uh, it's hard. I think a lot of people read this text and it's really easy to think about other churches and other people, but in reality, it's a, it's a, it's a text to help you see yourself and check yourself, check your church, especially as church leadership. This is something that Sunday, as, as we were reading this scripture, I was like, wow, first of all, I need to check myself and let the Holy Spirit convict me, but then also, where is our church at? Like, what are the people in our church, the conditions of their heart? And so I was thinking about this, and you touched on these these points, these three points, how the patternless church is detached, the patternless church is dead, the patternless church is delusional, and you launched with these two questions, you know, why this church? Why the church I attend? And I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of this nowadays when I hear people picking churches for themselves or for their families. Well, the worship made me feel good. I liked the worship. They had a good kids program. Um, I liked the way it made me feel. I like how long the service was. I like how charismatic the preaching is. And the reality is, is that's not a good reason to pick a church to go to with you or your family. And so you are addressing this head on with scripture. You're saying that's a patternless way of thinking. That's delusional, that's detached, that's dead. And so talk about this a little bit with this text that you preached out of. Talk about those three things, detached, dead, delusional, because this is the state of the people within the church, not the world. Now we're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church, people in the four walls. And so talk about this a little bit, the, the detached, dead, and delusional effects that happen from being a patternless church. So if you want to clearly see who's responsible for this caliber of people sitting in the church, if you go down to verse number six, for among them are those, it's those, these false teachers that are rising up for selfish reasons, very manipulative. The biggest thing is in verse number eight, opposes the truth. Paul said they're disqualified. Disqualified regarding the faith. And so the wheel of the church is being reinvented now. How we do church. And I put that in quotation marks because that's a buzz phrase right now of uh, of of the current trend that we are in, and there's a defense, deficiency of godliness in our churches, and there is this uh, defective methods that are being used to grow church. Uh, they're kind of accumulating strength through these defective me- methods, and so uh, a detached church doesn't live in the reality that. Uh, we're living in some very dangerous times. They kind of stick their head in the sand. Um, the dead church are, are made up of people that are uh, uh, 
dominated by vices. I named three of them Sunday that they were dominated by. And you can follow this individualism, no responsibility, no commitment, only looking after self, materialism. They want bigger, they want better, they want newer. And then there's this hedonism. All they think about is fun. All they think about is enjoyment. All they think about is pleasure, pursuing that pleasure. And and now you have Christian hedonism. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so John Calvin said it should be noted what danger Paul has in view here in verse number one. Not war, not famine, not disease, but wicked and depraved people. So we're not dealing with days. We're dealing with people. And so that's what Paul was talking about. And this, uh, the, the patternless church is a delusional church. They have a form of godliness. Uh, they've traded the fundamentals of the Word of God for a form. A form. They like the form. They like that appearance over being authentic, biblically authentic. Uh, and, and I made this statement, self-obsessed culture builds a self-absorbed faith. And so people are the central attraction now. It's no longer God. They're the architects of their own success. They're told, hey, I'm gonna, I want you to dig deep within yourself because you have the, this latent power to change you. And so what's happened is what we've actually done is we've adopted a moral gospel now where we can kind of dig deeper in the possibilities of behavioral improvement is within me. I don't look outside of myself. I look in me now, and it's there. God's put that in me, which is not biblical. And then the patterns church is very defective because here's, here's, here's the bottom line. These churches, these patternless churches, they like to keep people weak. They're, these these patternless churches, they maintain this weakness by just staying around people's problems, people's past, their pains, their personal hang-ups. What they do is they build them up, talking about their purpose, and then they, they throw them down to bring back up all that they said the last Sunday they were to have victory over. They bring it back up the following. And so these people are kind of in a wash they can't get above the water. You know, they're up one Sunday, down the next, up one Sunday, down the next, making, you know, making promises that, that are quick and easy solutions. Uh, Paul said these guys are good at making things work, but he said at the end, he said, they're not going to get very far. Uh, and, and, and it's, and it's going to be plain to everybody how false they are. And so this is, and, and here's, a, here's the sad reality. There are some really... I don't want to use the word good people, but there are some people sitting in these churches that need to be delivered out of them. But there's, and, 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 and the sad reality about the defective methods that are being used there, and I just want to hit on this real quick, is these preachers know how to make things work and lead these people astray. And so what they do is these that are creeping in, they grab them. They grab their loyalty. They're after their money, okay? They want their money. They want their loyalty. They want their service. And here's, what, here's what's sad. These converts are worse off than they've ever been because now not only are they weak, but now they're in bondage to these manipulative, defective, conniving, lying men that it's all about selfish gain. And so Paul said, this is what a patternless church looks like. It's dead. It's detached. 
it's delusional and it's defective and so that's where we were heading with this thing uh sunday morning you know something that has stuck with me that a fellow minister here in town preached in our church a couple months ago was when pastor isai rodriguez who's pastor of a church here in fort stockton he was actually preaching at our bible college's graduation service and he said something that has stuck with me where he was actually referencing the condition of the church today the culture of the church today and he said we have moved away from reverence in order to rem- to move towards relevance that is a pattern that is sweeping through our churches that is turning them into a patternless church is it's all about re- relevance how can we get you to come in how can we get you to stay what kind of lights do we need to flash in front of you in order to, like you said, lure you in, gain your loyalty, gain your support financially, gain your support emotionally? And that's all it is. How do we remain relevant so that people are okay with us? And the danger is, is we have churches that are building themselves around people. And the foundation of these churches is people. Well, we're all about people. And people is, you know, people is what we're all about. We're all about the, the, you know, you and your family, and we're all about getting you to where you need to be. And the reality is, is that's so dangerous. When Peter made that confession to the Lord, and Jesus said, "Upon this rock, I will build my church." It wasn't a confession of, "Hey, Lord, it's all about serving others, and it's all about reaching the lost, and it's all about witnessing to people, and it's all about you know growing our churches numerically, and it's all about the programs." And it, that's not the rock Jesus is building His church on. It's on the confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and it's all about Him and His kingdom, and His Father's kingdom. That's the rock. When our churches come to a place when we're building our churches around that foundation. Hey, this is all about the this is all about the Lord, and you come in and you buy into that, or you don't. You believe in Him, or you don't, and that's not between you and I. That's between you and Him, and we do love people and we do care about people, but people are secondary to Jesus, and so we have got to shift our focus from pleasing the crowds, drawing the crowds in, and we do it in such a manner. I heard a guy say the other day that we can't tell the difference between churches and businesses anymore because we do such a good job of marketing to people to come in and we'll give you what you want. You come in and we'll give you what you're looking for. And the reality is is they're coming in, but we're not giving them what we need. They need Jesus, but we're giving them, like you said, we're giving them these quick promises, these quick fixes, these, these emotional pep rallies that get them to feel really good and that's why you hear people say well i loved the worship it made me feel good or i loved the kids program it made my kids feel good or i loved how long the service was because it let me get out in time or i loved how we could you know what the 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 pastor preached a message on something that you know uh, just made me feel like he was you know speaking it's just these languages just kind of reveal to us the fact that hey the church is sort of building itself around people and that's such a dangerous foundation because people are fickle and people make really bad saviors and really bad lords and so you touched on that and that was such a great 
time. Now, I do want to talk about those three vices that you you sort of mentioned and touched on about um, people struggle with. They you know they're usually tied up in and dominated by individualism, materialism, and hedonism. Now, one of the things that I really want to sort of touch on right now is that spiritual hedonism. Have you noticed how worship, especially worship, preaching, yes, but especially worship, how worship has turned into a 30-minute service kickoff about singing about ourselves, singing about how we're this and we're that, and God is all about me, and God has pursued me, and, and I'm the center of the universe, and God's you know just bending heaven to come after me. Is that not a form of individualism, you know, materialism, how we're talking about, you know, uh, receiving prosperity and, and, and material blessings and hedonism, how we've almost turned the language of worship into this actual romantic relationship with the Lord and how twisted that is. Have you seen that in, in, in what you've seen going on in the culture? I have. Uh, I was sitting here thinking while you were talking the main reason for the church is for the glory of God. That's it. The church was never built for people. It was built, it was established, organized, birthed for the glory of God and for the worship of God. We come for the glory of God. If, if, if our church emphasizes anything else other than that, we are missing it. That's why churches are dead. That's why churches are delusional, detached, defective, because they're not meeting for the glory of God. Is the worship for the glory of God? Is the preaching for the glory of God? You know, Is everything that goes on in that church for God's glory and to worship Him, to exalt Him? That's what church is about. We have turned this thing into a social construct where we can come out of the world, we can meet once a week, we can get charged, we can get fueled, we can get encouraged. I'm going to church to get, you know, to get encouraged. You make that about you. I go to I go to church to sit before my God and hear what He has to say to me for His glory and for His honor and to worship Him. Christian hedonism has gotten to a point now, and a lot of people may believe in Christian hedonism. I truly believe that my ultimate satisfaction and my ultimate happiness is in God. But when that becomes the only drive of my life, is I'm looking for happiness in God, happiness in God, happiness in God, i got to be careful of a very fine line there where I don't cross and make it again about me trying to satisfy me my ultimate my ultimate satisfaction in god finds its highest expression in glorification does that make sense and so christian hedonism we've taken it and there are some that they agree with it but if you say okay i'm gonna find my ultimate happiness in god your ultimate happiness in God better lead to one thing, and that is the glorification of God. Satisfaction leads to glorification. If you find your ultimate happiness in God, you will glorify Him in all areas of your life. 
And so it's very important that that distinction is drawn, Aaron, because there are a lot of people talking about Christian hedonism right now. A lot of big names are talking about Christian hedonism right now. And yes, I agree with the underlying sentiment. I find my ultimate satisfaction in God. He makes me happy. But in turn, it's not for a self-gratification. It is for God-glorification. You see what I'm saying? I think we need to make that distinction. You see what I'm saying? Uh, It's Him bringing... I find my joy in Him, and in in return, I want to glorify Him in all that I... That, that I am in Christ. I can't glorify him outside of Christ. Christ is the glory of God. And so we have to glorify God in Christ. And so nothing else makes me happy. Nothing else brings me satisfaction except God. And so when I, when I realize that, then my aim in life is glorification. You see what I'm saying? Same with the church. If the church's ultimate satisfaction is not people, numbers, new trends, new fads, a new, bigger, better, materialistic church, it's not an individual church. We're not catering to the felt needs of the people. We walk into that sanctuary with the highest level of reverence, knowing that we are about to open up the Word of God, hear from God. And we've got to make a decision at that moment. We will be held responsible for that. Before God, what you will do with His Word. And I find satisfaction in that. Nothing will come from that except one thing, glorification. I will glorify Him. I will honor Him. I will reverence Him. I will be in awe of Him because He satisfies me. I have to look nowhere else than Him. Okay? I have no no problem with the title Christian Hedonism. I have a problem with those who take it and turn it into this self-journey of once again making it about, oh, I'm, I'm happy now in Jesus. He's my lover. He, 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 he brings me what I need. Man, we've just downgraded him to a level that is irreverent, and it does bring no glory to him whatsoever. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I love that my 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 total satisfaction in him brings me to a place of glorifying him. And you taught on this a couple of years ago in our church how the, the 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 existence of the church, the sole purpose of the church is to glorify Christ, to glorify God. We are his bride. And so he is coming to receive a specific glorified bride. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm so looking forward to the the remainder of this study. I'm looking forward to what it's going to bring out of our church. Um, and I hope this does allow people to, by the end of this three week study, come to a place where they can with conviction say, this is why I choose and why I have chosen to attend this church and to have this church be my church home. Um, because that is a very important question. You know, I I talk to people all the time who are who are shopping for churches to attend with their family or by themselves, and you know, it's it's almost like they're trying to pick out a car. They want well, I want the style of worship to be a certain way, and I want the 
size of the church to be a certain size, and I want the preaching style to be a certain preaching style, and it's it's so shallow. It's it's no reason. It's no wonder why people aren't committed to church. When you're committed to a church, it's because you understand why you're there, and and it's the Lord has given you conviction and understanding as to why you're there. So I'm, that's my prayer for this study: is that we come to a place where we can answer that question, "Why Northside?" or wherever you're from, where you're listening to this, where you're listening to this at the church that you attend. Why that church? And so, just so good, so good. We are so grateful that you are here listening to this podcast with us, the pulpit. We've heard so many great feed, so much great feedback, which we're grateful for. We're so thankful for. You know, we're in the talks of doing this in a little bit of a larger scale, hopefully adding a video component to this in the future. But um, be sure to subscribe to the Northside Church podcast so that you can be notified of new episodes each and every week. You will receive notifications and new episodes every Monday um, with our sermons and our teachings from our Sunday morning services. And then in the middle of the week, we will upload episodes of The Pulpit. And so, but with that being said, we hope that you have a blessed day and a remainder of your week. This has been The Pulpit. We'll see you later.